Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 41, since most of us have been staying at home and day five of this podcast. I'm proud to live in a state, Connecticut, that has as passionate, wise, and caring a representative in the Senate as Chris Murphy. Quick story. Once a year, Senator Murphy sets out to walk across the entire state. Granted, it's not Montana, but still. It takes some days. People know he's out and about, and he stops and listens to anyone who crosses his path. A few years ago, shortly after my son got his driver's license, when he knew the senator would be in our area, he went looking for him. That's the kind of guy Senator Murphy is. He inspired a 17-year-old boy. Anyway, just when Jacob was about to give up, he saw a man in a baseball cap walking alone on a country road. He pulled over. They chatted for a bit and took a selfie. And then the senator walked on. I hope that Senator Murphy will be able to take a walk this summer. In the meantime, he's today's guest. Senator Murphy, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me on The Way We Live Now. Thanks so much for having me. Most of the people I've spoken with so far for this podcast are at home. I've been asking them to connect with listeners by inviting us into their homes and telling us what they see. But you're not at home today. Can you tell us where you're talking to me from and what do you see around you? Well, I am uh, right now uh, outside in Stamford, Connecticut. I'm getting ready to visit a church here um, that is handing out meals to people who have no other place to turn for food. I have spent most of the last month and a half uh, at home with my kids, but I uh, also have the obligation to get out and say thank you to some of the heroes who are doing amazing work in the state that I represent. Uh, I do that carefully. Uh, Today, I'll do it with a mask. Um, I'm always uh, conscious of being six to 10 feet away from uh, everyone, but 
for me, um, I, I just stand in awe of all of these food service workers, these healthcare professionals, these uh, food bank workers who, you know, just kept coming back day after day after day to make sure that folks don't starve, uh, to make sure that, you know, people have a roof over their heads. And, you know, in my job, it's important for me not just to say thank you, but to also you know, hear from them about what they need and make sure that we're delivering uh, that. So, you know, my job is a little bit different. I can telework, but I also do occasionally have to be you know, actually out here and, and present to, you know, see the services that are being provided in person. Yeah, I've been thinking about that because you have this tremendous public responsibility and you've been very clear and compassionate in your nightly video reports that you've been doing from your home in Connecticut. How are you navigating the being in and out? I myself have literally not left my house or my, you know, gone past my driveway in probably five or six days, and that was to go to the market with a mask on and gloves and all of that. What's it like to move in and out of, you know, home and, and, and being in the public, which you need to be? Well, again, I do it on a very limited basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think it is still important for me to set an example. And so my, you know, office is shut down. My staff is all teleworking. Um, you can still call our office uh, and we check our messages several times a day. But uh, I, I can do a lot of what I need to do um, you know, from home uh, in front of a computer. But, uh, you know, I do feel the need to get out occasionally. And, um, you know, I certainly know that that comes with some risk. Um, mm. And I think my family knows that that comes with some risk. And so, you know, when I come back into the house, you know, I change my clothes. I uh, obviously vigorously wash my hands. I'll take a shower. Um, you know, so I take all sorts of extra precautions uh, when I'm back. And I really try to venture out on a limited basis. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in the people that you're meeting and looking into the eyes of people who are essential workers or first responders? What's the feeling out there that you're getting from folks? In the early stages, I saw a lot of joy. I mean, I saw a lot of people who, you know, were remembering why they do the work that they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the principal who is, you know, out there every morning helping to hand out meals, the cafeteria worker um, who, frankly, takes a lot of joy in you know, interacting with those kids, still getting to do that in the morning, handing out those meals, the nurses on the front lines. But I'll be honest, Annie, as time has gone on, some of those attitudes have changed. It's not that they aren't still connected with the reason that they do this work, but they're tired and mm -hmm. they also know how at risk they are. And I think they are wondering how much longer they're going to have to be put at risk and whether there's somebody who's coming to the rescue to relieve them. And so, you know, we've got to start thinking about ways to really support these people because their their anxiety levels are increasing, their exhaustion is increasing, mm -hmm. and their sort of fear for their family members is increasing. Absolutely. Another thing I keep thinking about is that this will end someday. Uh, we don't know how or when, but it will. And I find myself thinking so much about what we will learn from this. And there's going to be a tremendous toll. There already is a tremendous toll, as you're describing, in so many ways. You know, it feels like the world is practically vibrating with suffering right now. What do you hope that we as a country will eventually learn from this unprecedented experience that we're all in together? Well, it's such an enormous question, right? Because we're, we're all going to learn things personally, right? We are all learning more about what we need individually. You know, I think as I watch my two kids, my uh, 
uh, sort of more introverted fifth grader, I think is learning a lot of things about himself and frankly, in some ways, enjoying the, the time that he has now to kind of invest in his own priorities and push himself on an individual basis. I think he's realizing he doesn't you know, need teachers sitting over him to um, make him succeed. And I think that that's going to help him grow. My second grader, I think, is the opposite way. Um, he just is realizing how much he craves mm. being around people and his friends. And I think he's going to even more deeply invest in those friendships when he's done. Um, and I think that, you know, as people, we will do the same thing. Um, I've, I've heard people say, well, are we all going to be more introverted after this? Or are we all going to be more extroverted? I think everyone is going to head in different directions because they're going to learn different things. As a country, um, obviously, we weren't prepared for this. And as much as people are going to grow, I don't want this to be the forcing mechanism for that personal growth to happen. And so my job as a policymaker after this, Danny, is to you know go back and figure out why we left ourselves so vulnerable and challenge the American people to set up you know new structures uh, that will prevent this from happening again, or even if something like this arrives in the United States, making sure that it lasts a lot shorter duration of time than uh, this pandemic did. You know, we're all hearing these stories, especially in my world, independent booksellers having to close and, and having very narrow margins, as many small businesses are usually working with. I know you got involved with Roxanne Cody of RJ Julia, which is a wonderful indie bookstore in Connecticut to both create an initiative for getting books out to kids and raising money as well. Is that right? Yeah, we uh, formed a really interesting partnership. Uh, Roxanne, who, as you mentioned, runs sort of one of our most vibrant independent bookstores in Connecticut, has uh, uh, been a friend for a long time. And uh, I called her up with an idea I had. Uh, my idea was to uh, raise money from her friends and my friends uh, and buy books that we would distribute with the free meals that we give out to low-income kids in places like Bridgeport and New Haven. And the reason that that's important is because this number is going to sound shocking to you, but studies show that 50% of low-income families have zero books in the house. Mm -hmm. Zero. Now, that's a crisis even when kids are in school. But when kids aren't in school and they have no access to their school library and they have no access to their public library, going for two or three months at home with not a single book at home is unconscionable. And so our idea was let's raise some money from people who can afford it. Let's hand out books with the meals. And we have raised so far over $200,000. I think we may be up to uh, a quarter million dollars. And we're running this program in three cities and hopefully expanding it to others. And, you know, it's the way that Roxanne is keeping her employees engaged mm -hmm. uh, right now. Um, she's continued to pay her employees. And frankly, this is one of the projects that they're working on. And, you know, it's a way for a lot of people to, you know, make little small contributions. Uh, most of the contributions here are $10, $5. But... Mm -hmm. They go a, a really long way. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm glad to have a lot of friends who have stepped up to help us. Yeah, I love hearing that and hearing those kinds of stories of people stepping up and recognizing a need and filling it is something that gives me some hope for now and for the future. What's bringing you hope these days? Well, I mean, I think those stories are certainly bringing me hope. All of the tiny, kind, invisible things that people are doing, you know, the, the, the quick check-ins on uh, elderly neighbors. Um, you know, I, I do think that this was obviously a 10 to 20 year period of time in which 
it was very easy for Americans to withdraw, for us to sort of step back and conduct our entire lives on our screen or on our smartphone. And um, I do think people are sort of recognizing that value of in-person communication. Um, I do think that people are recognizing the value of, you know, good, efficient, compassionate government. And boy, I mean, we shouldn't have had to go through something as awful as this in order to sort of recognize the importance of things that we had uh, been missing. Um, but my hope is that when we come out of this, you know, not only do we feel good about all of the small things that our neighbors have done to make our lives a little bit better, um, but that we all recognize that, you know, that in-person touch, that sort of face-to-face communication, and, and, and frankly, that government that cares about us is essential. Uh, and maybe we'll all be better at government, we'll be better at our relationships, we'll be better at our friendships when this is done. Well, I love hearing that. It sounds like, you know, we're all in need of this massive dose of connection and compassion. And this is probably the biggest lesson that we could all be learning right now from this COVID-19 crisis. So, Senator Murphy, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time out and talking to all of us today and stay safe out there and just looking forward to continuing to hear your words every evening. Thanks for providing this forum for a lot of us. I think it'll be really, really important. Uh, Appreciate the chance to be with you, Danny. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Way We Live Now. Have a question or want to share what your life is like today? Join The Way We Live Now's Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash The Way We Live Now pod. That's all one word. Or leave us a voice message at 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-TWWL for The Way We Live. You can also follow me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Our executive producer is Beth Ann Macaluso. Special thanks to Tyler Klang and Tristan McNeil. Be safe out there. For more productions from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 